Welcome to this week's episode of the Life Group Leader Podcast. This is Pastor Evan, and I'm joined with Pastor Hayden. Hey. There it is. That's it. It's been a while. It's been, it's been a minute. We're glad to be back We're, on that note. We are glad to be back. It's too many weeks since we've done our Life Group Leader Podcast, but we are so grateful, and it's for a purpose because we are back. Oh, <laughs> here at Compass. Because here at Compass, we oh, exist to make disciples. Because here at Compass, we exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ by reaching people for Christ, teaching people to be like Christ, and training people to serve Christ in everything that we do, including the, the life groups that we're coming back at. Mm. Uh, here at Compass, including this podcast, is to fulfill that mission of reaching, teaching, and training. Was, I just I gave it. I gave you that transition. It was... It was right there. I just got back. It's okay. All All right. Right. I'm still in Pacific time zone right now. <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, church, we had a standalone sermon. Standing by itself. Stood right by, by itself uh, from Luke 18, 18 through 27, entitled, How Can I Be Saved? It was the account of uh, Luke's account of the rich young ruler's question of how to inherit eternal life. Pastor Evan, you want to read that text? It would be my pleasure. All right. Luke 18, beginning in verse 18. And a ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus asked him, asked, said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said, All these I have kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack, sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was exceedingly rich. Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said, How difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard it said, Then who can be saved? But he said, What is impossible with man is possible with God. Hmm. All right, Pastor Hayden, you had a, a, a great ser- sermon on Sunday. So what, what was the main focus? What was the main point for us this last Sunday that we can articulate to our life groups this week? Well, the main two questions asked in the text was, one, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And the second was this, who can be saved? And really, the preaching point, the sermon focus, comes with that last question, which is the good question, who can be saved? And then the the focus, because of that question, is this, that genuine salvation is a gift from God offered to the unrighteous. And so that is, who can be saved? Well, the unrighteous can be saved for as a gift from God. And so one way we can say no one can be saved, but because of the gift of God, the unrighteous can be saved. And the unrighteous's only appropriate response is to turn from everything that captures their allegiance and to follow Christ. The one thing that the rich young ruler wouldn't do, the very thing that Zacchaeus did do, and the thing that Paul even referenced that he himself did is he counted everything else as rubbish for the sake of knowing Christ. And Pastor Hayden, then what can we do as life group leaders, especially for us who have responded and 
repentance and faith and even leading the people in our life groups that have responded what can we do as a response to this text? Yeah, this is a very evangelistic text because when you're reading the Gospels, it's over and over again the stories about how does one get saved? What is salvation? How does one think about the kingdom of God? And as we're looking at this, we, we need to understand too that, and even I even said it in the sermon, we may have all responded appropriately to the Gospel, but are we still, after we responded to the Gospel, uh, going back to some of the things that kept us from salvation, or at least that showed us that we needed salvation, are we still going after those idols? Are we still coveting like the rich young ruler? Are we still having idols like the rich young ruler did? I mean, this is a great text for us to say, you remember why you need Christ. You should still be remembering now why you still need Christ. The gospel isn't just for salvation. The gospel's for everyday sanctification. And so for you, and for me, this still has everything to do with our relationship with God, even now. All right, Pastor Hayden, you had three points in your sermon. Uh, point number one was don't kid yourself. Hmm. Now, what do you mean by that? Uh, really, what we got to do, and like I said in the sermon, you can't think that you're better than you are. And because we're not, don't kid yourself. Don't don't try to write your resume of, of the goodness that we have. And I just pray that during your life groups this week, uh, that if there's new people in your life group who've joined since uh, this weekend, I pray that uh, this would be a great opportunity for them to elaborate on that with you as they apply the questions to their lives. Uh, but for you as a life group leader, as you're leading your group, there are so many people that want to pretend that they are, uh, from an outward perspective, holier than they are, or that they are trying to make themselves more righteous on the outside than they truly are. And this is a great opportunity for all of us to come to grips and say, I'm not good. And don't kid ourselves about our, our goodness just to save face or just for sake of, uh, of not being embarrassed. I mean, this is a great opportunity for your groups to really come down to a realistic level of our own unrighteousness before God um, and uh, to stop covering up a little bit of the uh, inadequacies in our lives, but to really say, hey, uh, because I am unrighteous, Christ came. Not because I'm righteous, Christ came because we were unrighteous. And the, don't kid yourself, is just that starting point for anyone who wants to have a relationship with God. And once you understand your position, you want us to point number two, come to grips with your position. Mm -hmm. you, can you re-elaborate that for us so that sure. we can be fresh in our minds to help lead our life groups uh, this week? Yeah, I think uh, when Jesus was talking with the rich young ruler in verse 23, the rich young ruler became very sad when he recognized the position that he was in, that he actually was a lawbreaker. He was a commandment breaker. He thought his whole life that he was a commandment keeper. And he, when he realized that he broke the law, he became very sad. And although in this account we see him walking away uh, as somebody who's, who's a pastor, I think that's a very good place for him to sit in. At least he is there now. At least he knows he's a lawbreaker. At least he realized that he couldn't be saved in that moment because he was an idolater. And he loved things more than he loved God, and he was he was covetous. At least now he knew those things. He was so ignorant to those things before, but now at least he knew them. He came to grips with that place that he uh, he wasn't going to receive salvation. And just like Philippians three three through eight, when Paul 
uh, come to grips with his own position that even though that he was uh, a Hebrew of Hebrews, he was circumcised on the eighth day, and he was of the tribe of Benjamin, and he was a Pharisee and a persecutor of the church, and he was blameless when it, when it come to the outward keeping of the law, he came to grips with his position, and he says, ah, I count it all as loss. I count it all as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. I mean, there's your two uh, ends of the spectrum of coming to grips with your position. One said, my I, I can't get rid of all my good because my good is the thing that I have put my trust in. And one, like Paul, who says, I've done all, I've, I've done good, and from the outside, I, I look good and look perfect. Uh, but when it comes down to it, I understand that that goodness was never going to get me to God, and that was only done in Christ. And so coming to grips with your position is realizing that we are one of the two. We're, we're all no good, but what's, what do we do with that no good? Do I recognize that I have no good apart from God, or I can try to be as good as possible apart from God uh, and still realizing it's not enough, but I still don't want to let it go. Then which leads right into the response at point number three, turn from yourself and turn to God. So what do we need to know as life group leaders to be able to lead our life groups this week through this, either for the non-Christians maybe in our life group and mm-hmm. also for the Christians in our life group? Yeah, uh, again, you can use the words justification and sanctification. Uh, justification, I pray that there would be people in your groups that have never given their lives to Christ, who have never turned from themselves and turned to God. And I pray that that could be explicitly rehashed through the application questions in your group. Uh, But from a sanctification perspective, how many times every day do we need to turn from ourselves and turn to God? I mean, it's it's the text that we even talked about, Luke 9.23. If anyone would come after him, Uh, come after me, let him deny himself, let him take up his cross daily, and let him follow me. I mean, the work of repentance in the life of a Christian is a daily, it's a daily affair. It's not just a one time, it is for justification, but it's an ongoing thing that we do on a regular. And so even if you're a Christian, you've been a Christian for for decades, and as many of you life group leaders, you've been Christians for a long time, uh, it's still important for you as you're leading your life group to remind people of the importance of turning from themselves and turning to God to make sure they're not grasping uh, idols and they, they aren't coveting things, but that they're always keeping their minds and keeping their focus on God. All right. Well, Pastor Hayden, that was very helpful. Is there any further insights or even some cross references that we can have as life group leaders in our back pocket to be able to help lead our life groups starting this week? Yeah, I think, uh, again, when you can go to Luke 19 and look at Zacchaeus, and I just love what Luke did when he uh, when he has Jesus saying that it's impossible for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. But yet you see 16 verses later, a rich man entering the kingdom of God. And what it what you notice there in the juxtaposition of Zacchaeus and the rich young ruler, and you can notice how uh, Luke shows, hey, it isn't that the riches are what kept him from heaven. It was his unrighteousness. And anyone who's willing to forsake all that they have to follow Christ will inherit eternal life. And so even in your life group, if you can remember Luke 19 uh, and go back to that, especially if people have questions about uh salvation and about workspace salvation, about faith. I just think that's really good for you because Luke was using that as an example to prove that uh, through Christ uh, it is possible to receive salvation even when you are rich and even when you are a chief tax collector and that you have uh, gone and you have uh, defrauded people. There isn't anyone too bad uh, to be saved, and that's a good example of that. 
and then uh, some cross-references, is just to remember the synoptic gospel accounts of the rich young ruler. What does synoptic mean? Uh, synoptic means similar, that these gospels are the Matthew, Mark, and Luke. These are all gospels that are similar. They got a lot of their content from one another. Uh, they share a lot of the same parables, a lot of the same uh, discourses, a lot of the same teachings. Uh, unlike John, whose 90% of his content is unique to his own gospel. And so you have the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And so uh, the rich young ruler is one of the accounts that's found in all three, obviously Luke 18. You can find it also in Matthew 19, starting in verse 16. And you can find Mark's account of the rich young ruler in Mark chapter 10, verse 17. And you're going to see that they're going to highlight a couple of different things, and they're going to they're just going to look at a lot of some things. Same same story, same principle. They're just going to highlight some of the things that maybe a couple of the other writers didn't. And it may be good if you guys look at those and and notice some uh, some helpful points in there. Like uh, is it is it Matthew where it says that Jesus looked at him and loved him? Is that Matthew's account or Mark's account? Uh, and in Mark, it talks about how astonished the disciples were that Jesus said that no one could be saved. I mean, they just focus on some things. I just think it'd be good for you guys to get a perspective from all the synoptic gospels, especially as a life group leader, before you get to your group tonight. Might be worth you, or tonight or this week, might be worth you getting into the synoptic gospels. All right. Well, life group leader, a good um, passage to have in the back pocket for us is going to be summed up in one of our passages that we read in our daily Bible reading through Romans back in chapter three, verses 23 to 24. This sums up what the rich young ruler needed to do. Verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's what the guy needed to know. He thought he had kept all the commandments, but Jesus revealed his heart and said, no, you haven't. But for he, need, he also needed verse 24 and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So have Romans 3, 23 to 24 in your back pocket as you lead your life groups this week. All right, Pastor Hayden, you've written up five questions, well, four new ones. Uh, what are the questions and what's the direction you want to give us as we you know, lead our group through these questions? Now, these uh, questions are evangelistic in the sense that they are meant to bring people to an understanding that they need to turn from their sins and trust in Christ. Uh, they're also very uh, retrospective and applicational to even the Christian for you to look at these and to ask yourself, why was it good for you to understand that there was an objective moral standard for good? And why was that important for you to accurately evaluate your own goodness compared to God? I mean, that's question number number two, and I think it's so important uh, for us to answer that. And I think in your life groups, if you can you can sit on that question, uh, you can sit on question number five as far as people sharing the story of their conversion. You want to talk about uh, an opportunity for your group to grow closer together? When they briefly, briefly write out their conversion story, the, really the event that turned them from their sins and placed their trust in Jesus Christ, and being able to talk about how many of these elements that we've read in The Rich Young Ruler and through these application questions are evident even in our own conversion stories when we realize that we weren't good enough and we realize that we need to turn away from ourselves and turn to God. All those things uh, playing out in, in our own lives are going to be so helpful as people begin applying uh, salvation and sanctification to our own lives. Uh, and even question number four, what are these scriptures, Luke 9.23 and Luke 5.32? What do they say is a proper response to God's offer of salvation? And why is it important? To, and why must we turn away from ourselves and turn to God? All these things, I just pray, would uh, both grow 
y'all's relationships and your groups with one another closer. And I pray that there's people in your group who who've never turned from their sins and placed their trust in Christ. And the way that you guys take these questions seriously and the way that you unravel them together will bring somebody in your group to repentance. Uh, and I also just trust that it would grow y'all's relationships with God through the uh, through the study of God's Word. Awesome. Well, Pastor Ian, what is a resource that we can have on our bookshelves ready to be able to hand out to someone who has a question, what is the gospel? Yeah, I mean, the one we have on here, uh, one of them at least, is The Gospel According to Jesus by John MacArthur. That's just a really good book. We recommend it a lot because it's, one, it's my, one of my favorite books I think he's written. It probably is my favorite book that he's ever written uh, just because it's so clear and it's so concise. And he talks a lot about uh, parables and, and teachings in the gospels that we sometimes see as very difficult or hard to understand. And it's just so clear that it's all talking about salvation. It's all talking about how we come to know God through Christ. And so that's a good volume uh, for you guys to add to your library as well. All right. Well, Life Group Leaders, we have several announcements. Well, Pastor Hayden, you got to announce the next book of the Bible that yes, we'll be sir. preaching through. So remind us what that book is. We are going through the Gospel of Matthew All right. for the next 15 years. <laughs> It'll be good. Yeah, Theodore's in Theodore college. Be in college. And uh, yeah, so you guys prepare for that. We'll have some commentaries for sale this week at our bookstore for you guys to be able to purchase, to study along uh, with us as well, as well as more of the Matthew journaling uh, Bible. We sold out. Yeah, we did. We sold out. We sold 50 of those things. That was great. And so we'll have more of those this week as well for you guys uh, to, uh, you know, have for yourselves or for people in your life group to purchase. We have our Adventure Club registration is now open. And so uh, Adventure Club starts this Wednesday. Starts tomorrow. Starts tomorrow, unless you're watching this Thursday. Then it started yesterday. There you go. And there's still time to register your kids uh, for that. Uh, so make sure you announce these things in your life groups. We also have a men's breakfast on September the 10th at 9 a.m. Real quick on the Adventure Club, if you're in the if you're the Wednesday night leaders, make sure that you're if they have kids care, birth to two years old, make sure they register those kids. It's yes. free. It just ne- gives us uh, a, a know of how many serve people we need to be serving that night. That's right. So, so men's breakfast. Sure. Men's breakfast, September 9th, uh, 10th. September 10th at 9 a.m. Men's breakfast here on campus. And uh, finally, life group leader meeting on August the 28th after the 11 a.m. service. So life group leaders, make sure that you uh, put the, keep that on your schedule. August 28th after the 11 a.m. service, we'll be having a life group leader training. We also have baptisms on September the 18th. And so uh, make sure during your life group that you announce that we're having baptisms and uh, have people who've never been baptized, maybe new Christians in your group or people who have never taken that step of obedience, make sure they register for baptisms on September the 18th. And when then f- register before then register. Yeah. Register before September 18th. Cause they need to do what before they get done. They'll meet with us. Uh, we'll give them a couple of resources to read and make sure we'll coach them in their testimony, make sure they have a salvific one and then we'll move them forward in baptism. So we're not having an open tank on that. No, open, no open tank, no open tank. So make sure that your people know they need to register in order to be dunked. Right. And final, final announcement. We have so many, we have a, a church wide, uh, serve team training on September the 11th. And this is important because this is the first time we've ever done this. The first time I've actually ever seen it done. So we need your prayer. Uh, our church-wide serve team training. And what that's going to look like is this, that after church on September the 11th, we are going to have lunch provided for all of us. We're going to eat lunch together. I'm going to do a 30-minute uh, 
what do we what do we call it? Main session, plenary, plenary session. It's going to train the whole church on a particular area that we all need training on, and then after that, you're going to have two thirty-minute breakouts. And so you will go to a one thirty-minute breakout, and they'll be all over the building. We'll have different things, whether it's kids, whether it's the connect team, whether it's the worship or tech team, whether it's I mean anything. I mean everything that we do, we're going to have breakouts through that morning, so you can go get trained in an area that you're serving that you need training on, or that you're uh, serve team leader and says that you need training on. And then after that 30 minute block, you will then swap and go to another area you're serving in and you will have another 30 minutes of training. So it's like a micro conference, if you will, all in one, uh, what is it? Two hour, one and a half hour block of time right after service. So we're gonna have a great time of fellowship. We'll have lunch together, uh, but we want you guys to make sure you announce that to your life groups this week so that we can make sure that everyone is there for our church-wide serve team training. I think that's it. All right, church life group leaders, we're so grateful for you. We look forward to seeing you this weekend, and we're praying for you that as you continue to reach, teach, and train, uh, that it would be winning souls, and it would be glorifying to God. We'll see you soon.